Welcome to Making the Lemonade with Jessica Trick and Lottie Trick. Positive news podcast proving that when life gives you lemons, there's always an opportunity to make lemonade. So you may have noticed that uh, Abby has been swapped out this week. We haven't kicked her out, don't worry. She is uh, playing a tournament in Canada. We could not make our schedules work this week. We have subbed in um, my sister, Jessica, who is very excited to be here, I'm sure. Um, And she will be stepping in for Abigail and Abby will be back with a vengeance and tell us all about her tournament. But Jessica, how do you feel being our guest host today? Um, I feel very honored, but I also feel very nervous because Abby has some big boots to fill. Um, So I will do my best. She does. Literally as well. She has really big feet. Um, (laughs) um, What have been your podcast highlights so far whilst uh, listening? Oh, I think mainly Abby's pronunciation of Mm -hmm. things. Of course. Um, Adelaide was a real real cracker. Um, (laughs) But yes, I enjoy your... Your on podcast relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Well then, without further ado, Jessica, would you like to kick us off with the first story of the day? I will. Um, I actually have two football related stories that I like to do one after the other. Which is very off brand. (laughs) It is incredibly off brand. Um, But here we go. So the first one is um, that on the 19th of September, Tottenham Hotspur will play Chelsea in the world's first uh, major net zero football match. (laughs) So uh, this may have happened before, but I think this is the first time an elite, an elite level. And they're partnering with Sky to make this happen. confidence in which you're trying to deliver a story about football is absolutely (laughs) fantastic (laughs) right so carbon emissions will be reduced or offset um and game zero as it has been called will be considering players employees and fans journeys the food available at the game and the waste generated so they'll be encouraging people to travel on public transport by bike They'll be providing plant-based options, which they'll be encouraging people to buy. And they will also be recycling their waste. Um, and the, um, they will also, other teams will be carrying, um, will be traveling by coach, fueled by, with biofuel. And then for the emissions which remain, um, they're going to be working with natural capital partners to restore natural carbon sinks, which remove emissions from the atmosphere. And Spurs and Sky will also plant trees locally at the stadium later this year. So I think that's a pretty good approach and nice to be seeing it, see it being done at an elite level Mm -hmm. to see what they can do really to kind of cut emissions. And I think the aim really is obviously to, to cut emissions for the game, but also to encourage football fans to make those kind of small changes to live in a sustainable way as well. Um, and hopefully it's something might see other, not just football games, but other, other sports games and big kind of events, events like that as well. So is there what, like where, it, obviously we know where this comes from. There's a huge urgency here, but is this going to carry on? Is this just a once, a bit of a storm in a teacup? Are we looking for continued commitment to this? 
this is a good question. Um, I would say that I think this particular one was set up to be before COP, but Tottenham were named the Premier League's, league's greenest club mm -hmm. uh, earlier this year in a study carried out by the UN-backed Sport Positive Summit. Okay. So they'd already got quite sustainable measures in place. to some extent in place. Um, and Sky Sports and Tottenham Hotspur are both signatories of the UN Sports for Climate Action framework. Right. So hopefully it's something that they will continue, continue. to um, do, I'd imagine, if they're kind of signed up to those things. Fabulous. Very good. Very good first story, Jessica. Well done. Thank you. So continuing to my second football. Oh, you, this is not how the format works. You don't get to just <laughs> roll out but your it runs story. on. <laughs> but I've written it as a nice script that rolls on. Okay, fine. So what do you think a big contributor of waste is in a football stadium, Charlotte? Oh, um, plastic cups. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Hot drinks cups, which mm. is the topic of my second story. Oh, lovely. Uh, so Manchester City will be trialling edible tea and coffee cups at their Etihad Stadium this season. So the cup is made by a Scottish startup called BioBite and it's made of a vegan biscuit. Mm. Um, so another question. Do you know how long half a football match is? Half a football match. Yes. 45 minutes. Correct. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly how long the biscuit of the cup stays crunchy. Mm. So it's made with a wafer in kind of like an ice cream cone. The cup stays leak-proof for 12 hours and stays crunchy for a full 45 minutes. Um, and they, it does have a paper, like a paper sleeve, which you could then recycle kind of around mm -hmm. the outside and bottom. So if you put the cup down, it won't be dirty. It won't be dirty. And you can eat it. Um, and I did also have a quick look at their website in my uh, very committed research. And they've brought in a new vegan menu to the Etihad Stadium as well. Gosh. Um, so that's also good. And a paper beer cup. Wow. So they're, they're making some some changes um they did also say on their website the edible cups uh, can also be composted if they if people don't want to eat them sure so that's, that's not, it's not gonna be forced around <laughs> down your throat after you've eaten your, drunk your coffee um so yeah so that's quite a positive step and um in the uk there are approximately seven million paper coffee cups used every day gosh seven um, million. and it's also really hard to make them fully recyclable because they have to be waterproof mm -hmm. so that's really a positive step and also um i did see there's also a bulgarian brand um who are doing a similar product so it might be that we start to see these around a bit more fantastic so football are doing what they can well wow they're doing something so that's yeah. for the environment so there you go there you go can i go or are you going to do your third story to stop that <laughs> you may go Thank you very much. So as was heavily reported in the first season of this podcast, I purchased my first bike in London and continue to have what some might refer to as ag, real ag. Ever since. <laughs> 
Um, but I don't think that should deter anyone from getting a bike in London because it is a very quick way to whip around um, and obviously great exercise. So on that note, I found a fabulous story about a London-based initiative. Launching in Poplar a few weeks ago, Crisp Street Community Cycles has transformed an empty shop into a cycle hub where children and adults living locally can borrow bikes for free. They also, also provide free cycle advice, free bike repairs and guided rides to help people build their confidence. The month-long pilot is a partnership between the environmental charity Hubbub, Poplar Harker Housing Association and the walking and cycling charity Sustrans. The idea is to break down the barriers that prevent people from cycling in London, including access to equipment and concerns about safety. Those behind the project hope it will inspire similar initiatives elsewhere. Director of Communities and Neighbourhoods at Poplar Hark said, Cycling offers many benefits towards creating sustainable and thriving neighbourhoods, from providing a low-cost way to travel to reducing our carbon footprint and increasing our fitness levels. But the lack of access, storage and confidence can all be barriers in getting people in Poplar onto bikes. That's why initiatives such as this that give opportunities for residents to borrow and learn about bikes are essential if we want to encourage more cycling in our communities. One resident said the hub had helped her son gain confidence to ride a bike he hadn't been using. A year ago, my son's bike was sitting at home gathering dust because he didn't know how to ride it. The hub has helped him. The cycle experts there make, his, make sure his bike is adjusted for his fit and comfort. Now, when my son rides his bike, kids are looking, admiring. I wish for other kids to do it. That's very nice. That's yeah. very good indeed. Um, and it's referred to as like a, a bicycle library, which I quite like. <laughs> Oh, that's very nice. So, so you return the bike then? You you borrow it for your journey? You do your your bits. You do your little run around. You know, you show off your skills, yeah. and then you take it back. Nice. And I suppose, like that little boy, if you have a bike that you haven't been riding, you can take it there, and then they'll help you set it up. Well, quite. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. And is that is that remaining, or is that like a temporary thing, or is that hoping to stay? It's referred to as a pilot, so I think okay. probably for a, a period and then they'll probably take stock, but hopefully it will continue mm. and maybe pop up in other places around the country. That's really good. And also, um, they're putting in new bicycle lanes, aren't they, in London? Mm. Um, mm. So, so good that you've got that kind of thing to help people kind of gain that confidence. Exactly. Um, I, mean, I don't think I will. No, never. You should never, ever get on a bike in London, ever. For no. everybody's sake. I wouldn't last long. You know, coming over the handles of a bike whilst looking at a view. I hate to see what would happen to you whilst you got distracted by <laughs> a shop window, watching a little dog. <laughs> yes, but, but were I to, I'd, I'd visit them. There you go. So, this next story sounded like a positive news when I was researching it, and then I've been thinking about it and thinking, is it the right thing? But we'll go with it. It's a nice story. Okay. Um, so a 13-year-old named Lacey from Coventry rescued a bumblebee from the road. She tried to put it in the flowers in the hedgerow and refused to leave her side. So the bee went home with her. She's named it Betty, and they do everything together. Um... That's a fab she, story. Betty followed Lacey to the shops 
And she even stayed for around two and a half hours at a bowling alley with her. <laughs> um, and she sleeps in the little pot next to Lacey's bed. She stays there until morning. And then during the day, she likes to sit at the back of Lacey's neck or up her sleeve or on her glasses. Um, but she does keep away from the rest of the family. It was reported. Um, and I did watch a video of Betty with Lacey. Um, but what I thought was quite a risky move, Betty will sit on a biscuit that Lacey is eating. As she Why? Eats. Why is she doing that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's sweet. No, so one point. no, no. Why is she sitting on a biscuit? Why what, is the, the human sitting on the biscuit with the bees? The human's not sitting. <laughs> <laughs> the human's not sitting on the biscuit. <laughs> I thought you meant that she was just watching the bee eat a biscuit and she thought, I'll sit on that, see if she survives. And it was like a test of strength. No, no, it was not. So the girl is eating the biscuit, it's in her hand, and then the bee is sat on it while she's eating it. That does seem risky. It does. Um, so I did see in one bit of the video, she did lure her with some Haribo. Um, but yeah, they do seem to be firm friends. Um, I'm waiting smart. for this to take like a dark turn because I don't understand why you thought this wasn't a nice story. Well, it is a nice story, but I wasn't sure if it needed to be a bit more globally positive. I definitely think I've told a story about a little fox that lives in someone's house. Well, yeah, I did think Abby's done many a uh, reintroducing a borderline. In Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no dark twist. This was reported on the 15th of August. So after she'd been there for about six days, but I haven't seen anything else. So I'm, I'm hoping they're still, still together. It's actually quite an enormous bumblebee as well. Really? Um, but yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a video on YouTube if you'd if you want. Well, to have a I will. Look. I think um, surely Disney's going to be knocking. Surely. What do you think? I mean, she's literally sat on her glasses. That is Just so funny. It is. She hasn't left her side. So yeah, that's a nice story for you. That's lovely. Thank you. Great news. Um, the continent of Africa, their largest forest reserve, was removed from UNESCO danger list. Salonga National Park in the Democratic Republic of Congo is home to rare bonobos and forest elephants, which have been the subject of conservation efforts in recent years. This decision was taken because of improvements made to its state of conservation, says the UNESCO press release. The World Heritage Committee has said management of the park has been greatly improved, particularly with regard to strengthening of anti-poaching measures. Uh, my last story is um, about the Pope, Pope Francis. Mm. So this summer, uh, his charity office and the Vatican charity office um, did some work in Italy and one of the things that they did was send 15,000 ice creams to prisoners to help them cool down during one of the hottest summers on record in Italy. They were sent to two prisons in Rome, um, two of the oldest I think, um, under his name. 
um, and the gesture was made to give hope to prisoners. The Vatican volunteers and charity offices also took um, small groups of uh, homeless people to the seaside side or the lake for an afternoon of relaxation and dinner in a pizzeria. Oh, wow. um, they've also provided free tests for COVID-19 and vaccina vaccinations to Rome's homeless um, population and those in poverty. So, yeah, they've done some really uh, good work, positive work this summer. And I thought it was quite nice just to hear that their kind of charity office, I'm sure they're doing lots of stuff all the time, but just to kind of see that taking place and that kind of action helping with the kind of local populations who who need it and they also do have a very nice little poster that they made of the pope with a little thumbs up a cartoon picture of the pope with a thumbs up with a little ice cream in the corner oh lovely so, yeah do you get to see a picture of the ice cream i'd like to know is it kind of like a you get to choose are we talking like a twister are we talking like a i would think not a twister in italy i think we're more looking at <laughs> no i mean like a pre-wrapped well, I hope so. <laughs> you would bloody well hope so. Uh, yes, I don't know. It does show a cone with three different scoops, three scoops of three different flavours. Okay. I'm not sure if that might be pushing it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're probably going to have cameras in there. But have you seen Two Popes? No. Right. Is it for me though? It's, it's quite long, isn't it? I don't remember it being really long. No, I thought it was really good. I think it might be about this Pope that you're referring to. Maybe. It's quite modern. How long has he been in office? Um, Pope Francis. Well, I think a little while, because they mentioned it in the Mindy Project, Mindy Project, didn't they? Right. Shaking sure. things up. Um, but I, 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 I think there may have been more than one. Oh, no, he uh, is the one from Argentina. Yeah, no, he is, I think... He... I thought it's from Poland. No. Oh, no, Pope Francis, formerly the Archbishop of Buenos Aires, is portrayed in The Two Popes. Yes. So there you go. Well, I recommend it. I really, really enjoyed it. Hmm, okay. Good film. More than 1,000 landowners in East Anglia are taking part in an ambitious real wilding project which is being led by three farmers. East Anglian farmers, homeowners, schools, councils, churches and energy companies are among the landowners who have pinned plots to the map of dreams and in doing so committed to setting aside a sliver of land for wildlife. It's all part of the Wild East campaign, which wants to return 20% of East Anglia to nature by 2070. The project was launched by three farmers, Hugh Summerlayton, Argus Hardy and Ollie Burbeck, Birkbeck, who were motivated to act by the climate emergency, the biodiversity crisis and the sheer joy of watching wildlife thrive in the English countryside. Where Wild East differs from other rewilding projects is its scope. Rather than focusing on the specific area of land, it aims to create a network of habitats across an entire region, encompassing anything from churchyards to farmyards. Oh, that was quite nice. That was sort of rhymy, wasn't it? Um, some <laughs> some <laughs> latent. Told positive news when Wild East launched last summer. 
in order to have a nature recovery it cannot exist in hot spots it has to exist everywhere we want to focus on a little nature everywhere rather than a lot of nature in one area a year on the campaign has garnered more than 1,000 pledges from landowners including 82 farmers Summerleyton had hoped to get more of his colleagues on board but acknowledges that this is always going to be difficult given the pressures farmers are under one farmer who made the pledge is Peter Thompson from Essex. Having witnessed a dramatic decline in nature on his 700-acre farm. 700 acres? 700 acres? Wow. He expanded... It's a lot. He expanded <laughs> existing conservation sites on his land and created corridors between them in similar habitats on neighbouring farms. He also planted orchids and reintroduced a small number of cattle, which he says have a role to play in regenerative farming. Wow, that sounds really fantastic. Thing. Mm. When you said Argus, was that his name? It wasn't supposed to be Angus. No, his name is... Argus, A-R-G-U-S, oh, if you can well, you believe it. Fantastic. But thank you for your confidence in my abilities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining and thank you for um, allowing me to step in. I wish very good luck to Abby in her tournament and look forward to having her back next time. Absolutely, Jessica, you've done a fantastic job signing today. And I'm sure if Abby gets whisked off to some other lovely country that you will have to step in again because you've done a fabulous job. Um, but we can't wait to have Abigail back. Catch everyone soon. We will put the stories from this week in the show notes. There we go. There we have it. Thank you, Jessica. And that's it for today. Bye.